0: Hello and welcome into the Lockdown Wolves Podcast. We are live on the postcast following the Timberwolves loss to the Boston Celtics. I'm joined by Marty Gellner from Valley Sports North. We're gonna break down the game. The Lockdown Wolves postcast starts right now.
1: You are Locked On Wolves Postcast, part of Locked On Sports, Minnesota. Your team every day.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Marty Gellner from Valley Sports North is with me to break down the Timberwolves loss to the Celtics. And, Marty, well, I, I mean, there's a lot of places we can start th- with this one. It was a really entertaining game. The Wolves lose by two, um, a really good Anthony Edwards game, solid defensive performance overall, certainly officiating adventures down the stretch. Um, I don't know. Where, where do you want to start with this one?
1: I mean, it's a tough one to try to digest and pick apart and figure out what the heck just happened. I feel, in a way, shorted just because the Celtics came in with the second-best record in the NBA. Also the second-best in the East, but the second-best in all of the NBA. A legitimate title contender this season. And the Wolves played them step-for-step, toe-to-toe until the very end and those controversial calls came in at the end egregiously controversial we are not going to sit here Ben you and I are not going to blame the officials on this one and and whine and complain but there were two very distinct um, head shaking holy crap moments in the final minute of this game that uh, should not have been a reason that things went one way or the other and they were Part of the, they were factors down the stretch. So I'm left with like, uh, the Wolves were right there playing the second no. best team in the NBA toe to toe. And then the kind of what we're pointing at, and looking at, and trying to figure out is what was that call or why wasn't that called? And that's not where we should be at this point.
0: No, it's, it's really not because. I- yeah, I mean you're spot on. Like, there's so much to like about this performance for the Wolves. Both ends of the floor, it was exciting down the stretch. The Timberwolves could have folded down double digits multiple times, and and at the same time, I'm and I'm very cognizant of this on lockdown Wolves. I do not like to talk about officiating. I think it, it's you know it's it's part of fandom. It's whatever. Like people can talk about it, and it is a factor every night. There's a reason why. And you know, like like it is a factor in the game. It's not why. It's not directly why. Hardly ever a team loses a game it can absolutely be a factor. And in this game, regardless of of what team you're rooting for, it was a factor down the stretch and there were like you said, I think egregiously controversial is a good way to say it because um they they were pretty clearly the wrong calls and they all seemed to go, not all seemed, they all did go against the Timberwolves. And I think we can call that as we see it. We'll still acknowledge and the Wolves did plenty um, to, to not win this game themselves, right? But it's also hard to say they didn't deserve to win, right? Like they were competitive throughout the Timberwolves, like I, like I alluded to earlier. I mean, Anthony Edwards was really good. I thought this was one of his better all-around games, certainly recently. Um, 28 points on 50% from the floor, five made threes, 10 rebounds, seven assists, only three turnovers, uh, and, and was just, just really locked in. I thought he played extremely well. I thought the decision-making was really good. Um, and at least early in the game, uh, the the, the Timberwolves just missed a ton of open shots, and both teams did, really. I mean, in the first half, I think the Wolves shot 36% from the field. The Celtics were only 33%, but they yeah. made more threes and got to the line a lot more, so the Wolves are actually down by one at halftime. But the shot-making was just not there, open shots. Ant was not getting any help from his teammates in this game, especially early. Uh, but I thought Ant played really well.
1: I think so, too. I thought um, his, his just his decision-making and his getting to the rim and his getting in the paint and his... His ball movement and just the moves he's been putting on players and looking for open guys. It's just been less iso ball. Pretty simple. Maybe not the easiest thing to execute, but um, that was so prominent early in the season. And sometimes Ant would have success. He'd hit a lot of shots off the dribble and like rocking a defender to sleep and jacking up a three-pointer. I shouldn't say jacking up because that sounds like a negative connotation, but you know what I mean? In that ISO ball situation, and sometimes it would work, sometimes he'd get paid off, but he's a different kind of player now, and sometimes he will just walk up, step into a three, but it's less milking the shot clock and having all of his other teammates stand around while he does that. He's just, he's acting more quickly. He's making better decisions, and he had somehow three straight, 32-point games, exactly 32, and now tonight, 28, and it's just been like this consistent, especially on the offensive end, and then you add in 10 rebounds, 7 assists, like, he has been consistent and really good, really effective.
0: Yeah, and this is where, this is another conversation, but this is where we, we look at, you know, the Wolves had, had four players they either scored 14 or 15 points in this game. Nobody else had more than 15, and, uh, I mean, this is where a Carl Anthony towns, you know, a second, a second all-star caliber player who can score in bunches or even not, not even in bunches, but just consistently uh, score around 20 points per game. Like that, how badly was that needed in this game? And it was all, yeah. kind of, you know, the, the other Nas Reed didn't come alive until the third quarter. And obviously he plays limited minutes. I mean, Jade McDaniels was kind of here and there throughout the game, had a couple of nice stretches. It was really ants and Kyle Anderson. And then again, for the second straight game, uh, a pretty consistent, um, uh, I guess, steady flow of lobs to Rudy Gobert. I mean, he still ended up with only 15 on eight shots, but a lot of really successful lob plays to Gobert, bear, um, not forcing the ball as much as we saw earlier this season, but it was just, it was like ants and it was, Hey, can we make some open shots? And, and the answer was mostly no in this game. And, and yeah, the Celtics shot actually worse than the wolves, both from the floor and the three point line. But um, Conley was just two of six. McDaniels was two of seven from deep the bench combined to shoot three of 11 or excuse me, three of 14, Three of 14 rules yeah. bench on three point attempts. Um, and that to me was the story of the game. Like if you make, obviously this isn't exactly how this works, but if you make one of those wide open threes, I mean, especially early in the game, there were some down the stretch. Jade McDaniels had a wide open corner three that he missed late in the game. You make one of those. I mean, this was a two point game. So you, you win the game, right? So I think the missed open jumpers is, is the thing that really killed the wolves in this one.
1: Yeah, Nikhil Alexander-Walker had five of them that were decent looks. He just couldn't get one to go down. You mentioned Mike Conley's line. He hit a shot essentially at the buzzer to take it this to a two-point game. But if yeah. he doesn't hit that, I mean, his line looks really tough tonight in terms of offensive output. And the Wolves had two bench points at halftime. Two. They were free throws from Nas Reed. That was it. I mean, that was the entirety of the bench scoring in the first half. It just was not there. And then, as you said, Ben, Nas came and gave them nine in the third, and he just had a 13-point second half. That's great. That was good up. But Jordan McLaughlin came alive a little bit, but there, it just wasn't enough, and it wasn't consistent enough. Torian Prince just kind of hasn't been his same productive self since he missed the couple of games uh, with a personal issue. So um, there, it just... It just hasn't all fit together. It doesn't feel like even though the Wolves, if it didn't fit together and they were still right there against this team with the second best record in the NBA, I guess that that's pretty good. I mean, that that's something to find the positives in. The Wolves did something right.
0: Yeah, I hate that. We're I hate that that's where we're at with the silver linings. But you're right. Like this, this is 100 percent true. I mean, this was a game that they easily could have won a couple bounces or a couple calls. Go the other direction and the Wolves are feeling really good about themselves in this little this one game homestand. Today's episode, today's postcast is brought to us by our friends at FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is long gone now and the perfect time to download FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook is now because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel sportsbook app. It's safe, secure and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. the Timberwolves next play Friday night. So go check that line out, player props and all that over at FanDuel. Plus FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Um, We talked about Ant. We talked about the uh, the the missed shots offensively. Something else I thought the Wolves did well in this game was they battled in the paint. They battled on the glass. The Celtics are a pretty good rebounding team, actually a really good rebounding team. And the Timberwolves actually came out of this game a plus two on the glass. They matched them in offensive rebounds and actually second chance points. Offensive rebounding for the Wolves was a big reason why they got back into this game. They were never really out of it, but they were down, I think, 13, late third, early fourth quarter. And Kyle Anderson had an offensive rebound and a putback and an and one. There were a couple other offensive rebounds in there. Um, And it was like during this short stretch where that was a really big part of what the Wolves were doing. And just in general, to battle a a mostly a close to full strength Celtics team like they did in the paint on the glass, I thought was pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, it was. um, I mean, some of the some of what the Celtics did was just them having an off night like Jason Tatum. Yeah. not able, not hitting from three, but some of it was the Wolves just kind of taking them out of their, their game. And it was kind of a, a good news, bad news. Like the Wolves were neck and neck on the glass. They, they were holding the Celtics down shooting percentage, but the, the Wolves also couldn't hit those shots. It, could, it was like at halftime, both teams were shooting in the thirties percent. So you could either say, great defense by the Wolves holding the Celtics down or, uh, Wolves can't get the offense going to get the Celtics. It was like both teams were kind of canceling each other out somehow. And none of it really led to one team dominating on, on one area, whatever. I mean, pick your, pick your stat that you're talking about here, Ben, rebounds, whatever. Uh, the Wolves kind of took the Celtics out of their game a lot and made it look... Little uncomfortable, a little cluttered. I mean, in today's NBA, we're used to t- both teams scoring in the one teens, one twenties. That's a very normal game score. This was 104, 102. Yeah. And you don't see that terribly often where both teams are low in that. So I, it felt like kind of both canceling out, neither really finding a chance to just get on that tangent and just sort of run and break this thing free. So you, you can look at it as your glass half full or glass half empty, depending on what you want to hang your hat on, I guess, for the Timberwolves. But I guess let's just say it was good defense. It was a good defensive night. The Celtics never really looked super comfortable, they never looked like they were in cruise control. So yeah. let's, uh, that's the way we're going to frame it here tonight. Yeah. Let's go with that.
0: Yeah, and and I and I did feel like the Wolves played well defensively early. I actually thought the Celtics' defensive pressure was 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 so focused on getting the ball out of Edwards' hands and it mostly worked and then the Wolves missed their open like the Wolves missed more open shots early than the Celtics did, but it's because Boston was executing their game plan of trying to get the ball out of Ant's hands and the Celtics just weren't executing offensively themselves. And I actually thought as the game went on, the Wolves ramped up their defense and and Boston finally found a little bit of a rhythm and that's partly why they they ended up you know, building a little bit of a lead, but they forced Jason Tatum into a four of 16 shooting. Um, Obviously Jalen Brown had a really good night, but uh, Jason Tatum was over outside the arc. He did get to the line 16 times, which goes a little bit back to the officiating conversation. But um, in general, I thought it was a good defensive performance. I mean, anytime you can force the Celtics into 104 points on 40% and 30 from 30% from three, a pretty good defensive performance overall uh next up for the wolves i mean you know hoping that they can put it we i should mention we talked a little bit before on on the postcast about the uh this kind of vicious cycle the wolves are in i believe i saw after the game that the wolves are now first in the nba in technicals first or they have been for a while actually first in it's... flagrant fouls, and i think first in ejections as well um. Obviously, a game like tonight, where you've got well, yeah, a couple, yeah,
1: two more, yeah, yeah,
0: two cheap wins at the end of the game, that adds up. Um, kind of reminiscent of that Memphis game back a couple of months ago when Memphis had the same thing happen to them. I believe at Target Center.
1: Yes. Um, yep.
0: Yeah. It, it like it's this vicious cycle we've talked about before, Marnie. Of like, hey, the Wolves. A lot of times it feels like they're getting the short end of the stick. This game, they certainly did. There's no question. And then a lot of times they over complain and they kind of get into this, like, woe is me attitude. And then the officials don't like that, understandably. And then it turns into like, OK, now we've got technicals, we've got ejections, et cetera. And obviously those points add up as well. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, the season's obviously almost over. I don't know if this is something the Wolves could pull out of, but it's it's not a good sign when the Wolves are first in all those categories. No. And um, Anthony
1: Edwards yeah. has to be careful individually yes. because he did get the last one rescinded and uh, I'm not, sh- this one did not look egregious when he got ejected. He got a technical and he got it ejected after one technical, yep. not yep. two. So he must've said some kind of magic word. So this one might stick. And so that puts him at, I don't have it in front of me, but it's 14 maybe for the season. So, yeah. And if you get to 16, it's automatically a one game suspension. No questions asked, no, uh, no pleading and trying to get out of it. That's where it is. And the Wolves cannot afford to have that happen.
0: Yeah. Well, Are we yeah, going to talk
1: about the jump ball? We, we, yeah, we, we got to break this down and, and tear this apart because the Al Horford moving, yeah, not just moving, completely changing position yeah. on the jump ball. And then Grant Williams, like quick leaning into Rudy Gobert quick. I mean, there were multiple things going on where it, uh, it was um it was hard to wrap your mind around like what just happened here did they just allow this
0: yeah and how many times do we see you know maybe not with 3 seconds left in the game but you'd i would argue that it's even more important but how often do we see officials blow a jump ball dead or re-jump it because it wasn't a good jump. It wasn't a good throw a toss or because players are moving or because they need to reset players. And it feels like if ever you should do that, it's, it's, you know, in a two point game, right. uh, With three and a half. You should anticipate
1: there is going to be a violation. These guys are When you have a seven foot plus guy in Rudy Gobert and a guy that's easily six inches shorter, you should assume there will be a violation.
0: Right, because he was, I mean, that happens all the time. You have, and he's not a guard, but a lot of times you have guards or smaller players that are trying to steal the tap. That's what they're taught to do because it's the only chance they have to win it. So to let them get away with that was kind of crazy. And, and, you know, there's other, like, there's a whole list of of calls we could go through. That one to me is the most head scratchy because it's a clear violation of the rule. And, And in my mind, what happened at the end was, the Timberwolves probably went back to the huddle, saw the replay and they also all knew, saw it happen in real time. And then came out and complained about it, which is why you have the objections. Yeah. Injections. yeah. Um, and, but like earlier in the game, like the Gobert technical after the dunk, that was, that was only called after the Celtics asked for it to be called. And then also the Nas technical after the foul on Marcus Smart, which was, questionable smart asked for a technical and the, or I'm sorry, the technical is actually Kyle Anderson, but that came after Marcus smart asked for a technical follow as well. Um, you could see both those things clearly on television. Yeah. So that to me on top of what happened at the end, like, and there's plenty of other things we could, you know, poke at, but those to me are the most frustrating because that to me flies in the, in the face of, you know, the wolves, do they complain too much? Yes. Do they, are they, you know, is that an issue? Yes but then when this sort of stuff happens, it just further fuels that. And it's a, you know, us against us, uh, them against us mentality. And, uh, I don't know, this game's not going to help that.
1: It's not going to help that. And it, it, I feel like sometimes the players feel like there's, there's an unfair target on their back because they're Minnesota. And you just kind of get walked over and you're flyover state and you haven't done anything in the league. And it, it sometimes can feel like that, mm-hmm. but The so the jump, the jump ball kind of falls into that. Um, but what did we just see category? Right, the Joe Missoula coming all the way down and standing it directly in front of the Timberwolves bench. He was he was in a three point line on the court and he was trying to get the officials' attention. So, how that wasn't called also in the final couple minutes of the game was incredible to me I just thought um, again egregious so over the top like how does that not get seen by the officials that was well wh- I don't know that I've ever seen a coach that far and certainly never seen one that far who didn't get called that yeah. was outrageous in my mind
0: it was and and the the pool report after the game they were uh, the officials were asked the uh, I think it was Joe Forte was asked about it. And he said during his quote, this is a direct quote from the transcript of it. He said during live play, the officiating crew did not see coach Missoula across the mid court line. Well, on the replay, you could see him turn right after they call uh, the jump ball, they turn and look at him and say, Hey, we didn't hear you or you guys didn't have possession or whatever, but they're literally talking to him and he's on the other side oh, of the timeline. Oh, so like it doesn't make any sense. And, and it, I guess the argument there would be, Oh, well he could have jumped over after the whistle was blown, but like the whole thing doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And it, it clearly Yeah. It's, it's frustrating. There's a number of those and uh, it, I don't know, they, they certainly add up. And when it, you're talking about a team that already feels, you know, rightfully or wrong or wrongfully over the course of the season, like they're getting the short end of the stick with the officiating. This is, it's just, it's going to have, it's just an issue moving forward. And now the wolves go into this road trip. They have to pull out of it. They play what six out of their next seven on the road. Um, And obviously 500 middle of the Western conference, like uh, Mm -hmm. hopefully they use this energy in a positive way.
1: Let's hope so, because they they should feel proud of a lot of things they did in this game tonight. They should take the positives, move on, and realize they have three winnable road games here. And let's buckle up and uh, get wins where we can, because um, this pack is not not loosening up. Their position in the Western Conference is going to come down to a couple of wins here and there, and they've got to start stealing them stacking them, doing whatever they can to separate themselves a little bit, jump a couple of teams. It you can't afford to, to let this linger or let this be any kind of deterrent. You got to move on, Mo- use it as a motivator. If you want, whatever, whatever you have to do, go see Pat Bev and those Chicago bulls and Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. And let's get one Friday night in Chicago.
0: Friday night, Wolves at Bulls. That's a 7 p.m. tip. We'll go live after the game on the postcast. We do that on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. You can also listen to the audio on the Lockdown Wolves, wherever you listen to podcasts, the audio feed after the fact, if you miss it live. A big thank you for watching tonight. A big thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time.